Well, welcome to Rock Harbor today. Good to see everyone here. If this is your first time, thanks so much for coming and uh, checking us out today. We're continuing our series in Power in Weakness. Uh, We've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians, and so uh, we've been enjoying our time together in that. We'll be doing the same thing today. Well, have you guys ever had one of those days or maybe one of those moments when you thought you had everything together and you had it, you thought everything lined out and you were ready to go only to find out maybe later on you didn't have things as together as maybe as you thought that you actually did. That happened to us a couple of weeks ago. We were on vacation and, and uh, we were having a great time and um, our kids left a couple of days early, um, which made vacation just a great way to end your vacation. Send your kids home early. They have to go back and work. That's good. Good for them. And then you can enjoy some time with your spouse. And so Joanna had a great couple of days together just enjoying that. And then like the night before you go home, right? Like your mind starts to get back into like home mode. It's like the worst night because it's like you want to enjoy it. You want to relax. And then your mind's going back to, oh, I got to get like my itinerary out and I got to see what our flight times are and got to make sure we get everything all buttoned back up. And so I started to do that on that night. And um, I said, hey, you know, we fly out at this time. So I think we probably should leave around this time. And she's like, all right, sounds good. And we go to bed and we get up the next day. And both of us woke up early for some reason. I don't know why that doesn't normally happen, but it's like vacation we slept in. And then it's like, you know, you got to go home. It's like, okay, I'm up. Let's go. Let's do something. And so we get up and and she goes, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, let's just go to the airport early. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, let's just go to the airport early. We'll go there. We'll drop our bags off. Then we can go do a couple things real quick, maybe outside the airport if we want to. And she's like, all right, cool. So um, we called the Uber up. He comes up, picks us up. And we start to drive to the airport. And, and as we're on our way there, um, I get this night, night of notification on my phone. It says, your flight has been delayed. I'm like, oh, man. Um, and you now leave at 11.01. Well, the problem with that was is that I had pulled out my itinerary the night before. And I had booked it on December 22nd, 2018. And it said that you're, you're actually going to leave at 1.05 p.m. I'm like, what do you mean my flight's late at 11.01? I'm like, that can't be right. That, that can't be right. And so I get the confirmation number and I look it up on my phone and I know I have, an, I have two options in the car with the Uber driver. One is I can tell him to step on it. Like, hey, we got to get to the airport um, or I can just play it cool. What do you think I did? Uh, no, we just played it cool. Like, we're fine. It's not going to be a big deal. I didn't want to freak my wife out, right? So I'm like, we'll just play it cool. And so we're cruising. We get to the airport. But as soon as we get to the airport, it's like Turbo Scott. It's like I'm jumping out of the Uber really quick. I'm grabbing the bags out. I'm getting stuff checked in. And she looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, we got to get going. She goes, what do you mean we have to get going? I said, well, you know, um, our flight actually, it leaves at 1101. And, you know, there's this thing called verbal communication and then nonverbal. I received nonverbal um, communication at that time, and, and, but I, I knew exactly what she was saying to me. What she was saying to me with her face and her eyes were, I can't trust you with anything. And I knew she didn't have to say anything. And, and, and so I, I'm like, hey, let's just get this done. Let's go. And, and once we get this done, we'll get through and we'll just kind of see what happens. And it was about 10.03 at the time. Not that I was paying attention, but all of a sudden we had less than an hour to get like all the way through checked in bags, TSA, all that good stuff. And so all of a sudden we're like running people over. No, not really. But it felt kind of like it. we got everything checked in. We got bags. We got through TSA. We got right up to the gate and they're like, now boarding. I'm like, Yeah. Right on time, right? Now, in my mind, right, I, I thought everything was good. And, and at one point, she may have said, hey, I need to see the itinerary that actually said 1.05 p.m., you know. I'm like, I can prove it to you. I pulled it out. 
I must have missed an email or two or three or four that our flight got changed somewhere along the way, but we made it and we got on the plane and everything was good. Well, does that ever happen in our own life? Maybe we thought we had everything all figured out. Everything was going in a direction. We thought we had everything planned only to find out later on that meant maybe our plan wasn't actually the full plan that God was actually doing. Maybe there was something else happening in our life that we didn't even see it coming. I think there are things that happen in our life like that a lot of times. We don't see it, but God knows it's coming. And so what do we do in those situations? Well, today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen and, and you can follow along. But in this passage of scripture, I'm going to tell you, it, it kind of jumps into some, some heavier stuff. I mean, sometimes we're like in the shallow end today. We kind of jump into the deep end a little bit. We're going to talk about something that's pretty heavy and we're going to try to have some fun with it, but it's pretty heavy as we begin to walk through this today. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number one, the Bible says, I, Paul, myself, I entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We're going to spend the majority of our time right there, that we have divine power to destroy strongholds. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to highlight that, underlight it, something like that. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. There are times that we just don't see certain things coming. And the Apostle Paul here, he's talking and, and he's telling us, hey, one of our biggest enemies that we have, oftentimes it comes from like this war that's raging within. It's these things that we're not ready for, that we don't expect that actually come along. And what do we do with these things when, when, when all of a sudden there's these strongholds that come up in our life? He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but, of, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, what, what is a stronghold? The word translated stronghold here is, is the word fortress or, or an outpost. And, and we might think of it as, as an ancient castle or a fortress, but Paul is actually using it as a metaphor um, to help us understand the importance and the strength of, of a spiritual uh, warfare that's going on in our life. And we're in a battle every single day. It's raging on, this battle of, of warfare that's happening around us, and, and there's purposes that this happens. So what do we do with that? How do we handle it, and, and how would we define a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is simply this. It's just an area where Satan attacks us. It's an area where Satan is going to attack you. He's going to attack me. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, know that, that you are his, you are a follower of him, and, and, and he is in you, and, he's, and you're following him, and Satan doesn't have any power over you. Uh, he's not omnipresent like God. He's just one person, but, but he has organized and, and mobilized, and he's demonized an army, and he has a strategy to attack you and to attack me. He knows our weak spots. He knows the spots that can be difficulties, the temptations that can be difficult for every single one of us. And so with that, he, we know that, that he is there. And we also know, we also know the enemy's strategy. 
It's found in John 10, verse number 10, and it says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? I mean, how uplifting is that? I mean, Satan's there to steal, kill, and destroy. And then it says, But I am come, that you might have life and have it abundantly. God's plan for you and for me is a life of abundance. Satan's plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What's he want to steal? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your confidence in God. He wants to kill your thoughts, your dreams, your ambitions. He wants to try to make you think that you can't or you're less than. But God says, I'm come that you can have life and you can have it more abundantly. Know that Satan and his demons, they will tackle you. They, they will come after you. They will target you and they will target me. And we have to remember who wins the war in the end. You see, strongholds simply are just a pattern of faulty thinking. It's this pattern of faulty thinking that he wants us to have in our minds. It says that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, in verse number five, raised against the knowledge of God. Verse six says that we must, we must take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, there are lots of different kinds of strongholds. Some are social, some would be moral, some would be spiritual. We were talking about social strongholds in our, in our world today. There, there, are, there are some that have the, the faulty belief, the ungodly belief that, that maybe racism should exist in our world today. Now, we know from the word of God that that is a sin. We know that we all are created equal before God. It doesn't matter where we come from. doesn't matter where we live. doesn't matter what we look like. doesn't matter what color we are. Before God, we are all his. There are many people today, they don't believe that. Why? Because they don't follow God. If you follow God, you cannot believe that racism should be in our world today. In our world today, in, in America, man, one of the biggest fights that we struggle with is, is the idea of morality. We live in a very immoral world today. When you begin to flip the TV on, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to, to see what people believe or, or how they live their life or what they portray as moral or immoral. And it starts with young children today. You can watch children's shows and you're watching it going, hey, that, that's not right. Something's wrong with that. I mean, that, that doesn't line up with, with the word of God. I mean, this is like what God's word says today, that we're supposed to follow his path. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that, that, that marriage, got right, sex is right between a man and a woman who are married. But in our world today, people believe, you know what, if nobody gets hurt, it's okay. As long as nobody's getting hurt, I mean, it's, it's all right. It's not that big of a deal, and it just doesn't line up with the Word of God. And that's the problem. And we think that, well, morality's not that big of a deal because nobody really gets hurt. Well, if you could sit and have some of the conversations that we have at times of how people have gotten hurt because of the immorality that is in our world today, you'd understand that lots of people and get hurt. And it didn't need to happen. If we just followed God's world, man, that, that would change everything. There's some social strongholds in our world today, and it's not what we're going to focus on for the majority of our time. We're going we're to talk about spiritual strongholds. Things that can hold you and I, that can hold us back, and from being all that God desires for us to be. In order for us to understand what a stronghold is, is we have to be able to identify the stronghold. 
First we define it, and then we identify what a stronghold actually might be in our life. And there's no way that I could give you an exhaustive list, but I did make a list from A to Z, because making lists is what I do. I, I like to make lists. You can ask my wife. I like to make lists. I make lists, and that's how you get things done in life, right? You make the list, you check it off, life is good, right? A, right? Anger. Maybe your stronghold is anger. You can just become angry very easily. It's like, oh, why are they doing that? I mean, that makes no sense. And we don't even realize, but that's a stronghold in someone's life because anger is spewing up inside of us. Maybe it's bitterness. And we get bitter on the inside because we were wronged. Something happened to us. We were wronged and someone did us wrong and we get bitter. And the Bible talks about this in Hebrews chapter 10 that lest any root of bitterness spring up inside of us and we become miserable with our life because we're bitter against things that have happened to us. See, contentment. I'm just not content with my life. Oh, so-and-so got a new car. So happy for them. I mean, I'm like stoked out of my mind that you got that. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, you got a new house too? That's cool. Mm. Oh, you got a boat. How special. <laughs> hope you're, yeah. Mm. I just hope you have a great time on that boat. Mm-hmm. It's great. I hope it doesn't break down on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Contentment can be a tough deal, right? It's like, man, how do I stay content? How do I stay content? Got a new motorcycle. Oh, that's cool. My neighbor's in this service. He gets a new motorcycle and revs it in the backyard. And then texts me and says, Scott, come out. I go, I love you. It's awesome. I do love him. It's hard to be content sometimes. It's hard to be happy for other people. It can be a stronghold for us. Maybe it's despair. Maybe it's an eating disorder. E. F. Maybe it's fear. Maybe I have this fear in my life and I get so afraid and, man, it's just like this stronghold I can't get past my fear of, of working through or believing that God could do that in and through me and it holds us back and it becomes a stronghold in our life. Maybe it's greed. We just want more and more and it's never enough. H, maybe it's hypocrisy. We see a person say one thing but live like completely different. Maybe it's impatience. Now, I'm not going to say this is one of mine, but it is. It's like we say we're going to leave at 5 o'clock. Let's leave at 5 o'clock. Like, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we're going to leave at 5. Not like 5.05, not 5.10, not 5.15. It's like 5. We're going to leave at 5. So you know what I do now is, hey, we're going to leave at 4.45. Then we leave at 5. I'm like, great job, everybody. That's great. It's good. I'm I'm fine. You want to know if you're an impatient person? Drive down Eagle Road at 9 or 5. You'll find out if you're impatient really, really quick. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. I love all these people here. Love all of them. Now move, right? Have children. You'll learn if you're patient or not. We'll work through all that. This is an area for me. This is a stronghold. I'm not... My kids, they're probably in this service. They'll tell you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's not always fun to be around. We like vacation Scott. not like normal Scott, right? That's an issue for me. I have to work on that. Don't call me out on it either. Okay, thank you. Maybe you have a judgmental spirit. We just judge people. 
We just like, man, what's wrong with them? Or why are they like that? Or why did they do that? And we have this critical judgmental spirit that God doesn't want us to have. Maybe we keep grudges against people. We just hold on to grudges and it's like, mm, man, we just hold it. And the person that we have a grudge against, they may not even know it. Guess who the prisoner to that grudge is? It's us. It's not them. They don't even care. They don't even know necessarily that they've done something wrong. And we hold this grudge against somebody. Maybe it's legalism. Maybe it's materialism. Maybe we just want more stuff. Maybe it's the need for approval. I just want people to approve of me. I still want the approval of my parents. Even at this age, I want them to approve of me. I like it when they say nice things to me still. It makes me feel good. Maybe it's, maybe it's obsessive behavior. Maybe it's a little more difficult. Maybe it's pornography. Statistics tell us that six out of ten men struggle with pornography. It's a deep stronghold today. It's difficult. It's tough to destroy. But it can be done. I've seen it happen. I can tell you story after story after story of people I've had conversations with of how through the power of Christ they've been able to destroy that stronghold of pornography. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Maybe it's a quarrelsome spirit. Maybe it's revenge. Maybe it's sports. There are for some people that like sports are a stronghold. It's like we can't let it go. We have to play sports all the time or watch sports all the time. It's like this major thing for people. Maybe it's, ten, maybe it's temper issues. They just have a temper and we throw temper tantrums and we're, you know, we're, we're 33 but we're acting like we're three. And we have this little temper tantrum kind of stomping around like, ah, I'm not getting my way. Give me my toy back, right? And it's like we're frustrated. We have a temper. Maybe it's an unforgiving spirit. Maybe it's a, a violent nature. Maybe it's worry. I'm just worried about things all the time. Any warriors here? Don't raise your hand. I don't make you worry about it. <laughs> we worry about things. Some people say, well, it's just being a mom. You don't understand. No, it's worry. It's worry. We're not trusting. It's worry. We worry about things. X. Xenophobia. It's the fear of strangers, right? Maybe you just don't like to be around new people. Like, I just don't want to be around. That's a stronghold. It's a difficult thing to deal with. Why? Yoga. I don't know. Maybe yoga is a stronghold for you. It's just one of those things. I had to come up with something. I had to get to Z, right? So yoga. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there today that they love to do yoga all the time. You just... They're just walking around, all of a sudden they break into a yoga pose. I don't, I don't know what it is, but they love yoga, and it's a stronghold for them. Or I just made that up. Okay. Last thing is zeal. Maybe a misplaced zeal. We have this zeal to do something, but maybe it's misplaced. Maybe it's, it's not in the right place. I, I don't know what your stronghold might be, but here's what I know. I know that every single one of us, we have a few. You say, how do you come up with 26? Well, because a lot of those are in my own life, probably. And so they're easy for me to think about. And to go, man, that's something that I personally, I personally struggle with. How do I work through some of those things? 
You see, you have to admit that there is, there is something, an area of our life where, man, there's one or two or three strongholds. In it. And once we get to the place where we can admit that, yes, I do have a stronghold, that's a great place to be. Because from there, we can learn how to defeat the stronghold that is there. Once we understand we have a stronghold, we'd be very wise. The first thing we should do is, is to gather as much information about it as we possibly can. Gather as much information about, about that stronghold that you have that you possibly can so you can know how to defeat it. I liken it to when Pearl Harbor happened. When the Japanese, when they began to look at attacking America, they looked at lots of different places that they could actually attack. And they planned and strategized for months upon months upon a year to strategize exactly how they should attack the United States of America. And they knew early on they shouldn't try to attack the mainland. Do you know why? Because they knew there were too many people that were like Idahoans who had one, two, five, or 17 firearms in their household. And they were scared to death. And they were like, we don't want any part of that because the military is one thing. But I mean, a bunch of guys and girl, ladies out there just like shooting at, back at us, that, that doesn't sound real exciting to them. So what did they do? They knew they had to have an aerial assault. They knew they needed to attack us at a weak spot on an early morning day when we weren't thinking or as prepared that it actually might happen. They gathered all the intel they possibly could, and then they attacked. And I think the same thing happens for us in our life. Satan, he knows, he's gathered information about us, and he knows where we're weak, so it's time that we do just the same thing. When we know and identify our stronghold, we define it, we identify it, and then we need to say, you know what, this is how I'm going to deal with my stronghold. I need to gather the information and be ready for whatever it is. Second thing we should do is we should cut off the source. Back in ancient times, when, whenever there was a, a war going on around a city, what they would do is, is that the, the, the attacking army would go to that city and they would cut off all the supply lines of food and water all the way around the city. And what ended up happening? When you didn't have any food, when you didn't have any water, at some point you finally surrender because you're starving. And that's what would happen. They would cut off the supply line. And once we've identified our strongholds, we would be wise to do the same exact thing. I love what 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22 says. It says that we should flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee youthful passions. We need to run from it when we identify it and know what it is. We need to cut the source of it off. Romans 13, 14, it says that, but to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This simply means that, hey, if you know what your stronghold is, we need to go, I'm going to go as far away from it as I possibly can. Here's the thing. If you struggle with alcohol, chances are hanging out at a bar, it's probably not a great place to hang out. I mean, it probably isn't. It's probably not a great place to be. I mean, you know if you struggle with that, chances are if you hang out there, it's probably going to happen. If you struggle with that, man, you need to gather as much information as you can about, about alcoholism and say, I need to fight this. I need to say, I'm not going to go that direction. I'm not going to hang out with people who maybe fall into that category. And those are the things that they do. If you struggle with pornography... Chances are hanging out on the internet or watching videos on the, online or having a smartphone that has access 
to everything that you could possibly ever see. There's some things you need to put in place to make sure that you're ready for that. The third thing we need to do is we need to get an accountability partner. Find someone who can hold us accountable for our actions and the things that we do. Man, this is not easy, but we say it all the time around this place that circles are better than what? Rows. Circles are better than rows. Coming to church on the weekend is good. Living in community, that's great. That's where we have power. When we put accountability around us where we're actually doing life together and we're in a community group, it's a great place for us to be because we're going to be known and we're also going to know people. We're going to know people and they're going to know us. But this requires us to say, you know what? I'm going to let people in to my life. Boy, sometimes that's really, really hard. It's hard to invite people in. But in community, man, that's where we have some power, where we have accountability in our hearts and in our lives. We all need it. I have a guy that I'm accountable to, and he and I are both accountable to one another. And we don't talk all the time, maybe every other week. It might be a text. It might be a month we talk. And we just begin to share things. And he'll ask, hey, Scott, how's your thought life? What's that look like? How are you doing at being a dad? Like, how are you doing at loving your kids well? Like, how are you doing at being a husband? Like, and loving your wife like you should. I'm like, don't ask that. How are you doing at reading God's word? Are you like growing in your relationship with him? Or are you just like like doing your own thing and just kind of, you know, skipping by? What's your prayer life look like? Those are tough questions. And when we have people in our life who will ask us the tough questions and we have that accountability, it's amazing how it can change the way that we live. Guys, this whole 6 out of 10 for pornography. We have a couple different groups that meet, pure desire groups, and it's guys groups that meet together, and they want to destroy this stronghold of pornography in their life. And they said, you know what, I'm not worried what everybody else thinks. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry about making sure that I'm doing everything I possibly can to live into the life that God desires for me to live in. And I'm going to bring some godly men around me who are going to encourage me And they're going to help hold me accountable to the things that I know that that God wants me to live out in my life. Maybe it is you need to have some software put on your phone, Covenant Eyes or or X3 Watch, a couple different things you can put on your phone, you can put on your computer, and and it sends a report every single week to someone that's an accountability partner for you that says, hey, this is what I looked at this week. Maybe we need that kind of accountability in our life. I I would beg to say all of us guys need something. Because the temptation is great and it's real. And for some of us, man, that, that's just a real struggle. It's like, how do I live through that? How do I work through that? How do I live and press into all that God wants me to be? How do I defeat or destroy that stronghold? It's only going to happen when we're living in a community and we've defined the stronghold, we've identified it, and now we can begin working on destroying the stronghold. And so how do we do that? I mean, what's the Bible say about how do we live that out? How, how, do we, how do we follow through and live the plan out that God has for our life? Well, you know, in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, and verses 10 through 18, he lists out the different armor of God. And many of us, we've heard lots of different sermons on that. We've read through it, and we know what they are. And we're going to walk through them really quick today. But verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Number one, you can't do it on your own. 
It's faulty thinking to think that, you know, I've been struggling with this for a month or a year or two or three or four or five or ten years, but I'm going to defeat it on my own. I'm going to destroy this thing on my own. I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own. And God says, no, no, actually you can't. You need his strength and his power, and you also need to put some people around you to help you defeat and destroy this. The five defensive weapons that he's given to us. Number one, he tells us that we have the belt of truth. What's a belt do? Well, it holds your pants up. I mean, that's actually important, right? It's very important. When we put a belt on, it also holds different things. And for a soldier, it allows them to hold some of the weapons that they actually have on their body. And he says, you need to take the belt of truth. You need to know what you believe. Second thing you need to have is, is you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's like this Kevlar vest in our culture today that we put over our vital organs. And this gives us the strength that we need, right? And the power that we need. And it gives us the protection we need to protect all the different things that Satan is going to throw at us. Third thing we need is our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet need to be ready to take us and be able to share the gospel with people, to share God's love with people who so desperately need it. The fourth thing is, is having the, the shield of faith to be able to deflect all the different fiery darts that are going to come at us from the devil. It's saying, God, I, I know it's a weapon that I need to use to be prepared for what you might have and what might, might be coming my way. The fifth thing is the helmet of salvation. What's a helmet do? Protects your noggin. Protects your head, your brain. Protects your mind. You see, in our mind, there's a war waging oftentimes. There's this war within of what is right and what is wrong. It's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. And this battle, as it goes on, we have to say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything that I have. I'm going to be fully dressed and ready because I realize that I'm actually in a spiritual war right now. You know, living here, it's pretty easy. A lot of times we don't think about spiritual warfare a whole lot. And life's good. We live in a beautiful state, beautiful city. So much to explore, so much to enjoy. But the battle is real. And it goes on in our mind, and it goes on in our heart. And then the verses go on, and it talks about the offensive weapons that we have. It says that we have the, the Word of God. The Word of God is our offensive weapon. It, it, it's in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says the Word of God is quick, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing and pierce the soul and the spirit. It's living, and it's active. The two Greek words are, are the words logos, which means the written word of God. The word rima means the living and active word of God. God's word is active. It's living. And we would be very wise to take it and to hide it in our heart. What Psalm 119, it tells us, thy word have I hid in my heart that I what? That I might not sin against him. How are we doing with memorizing God's word and hiding it in our heart? Can I just be honest? This has been one of the hardest messages I've ever prepared for and preached in my life. It's been convicting. I've had to ask, Scott, how are you doing? 
memorizing and hiding God's word in your heart? Have you really been living that out? How are you doing with that idea of patience with your kids, with your wife? How are you doing being content and not looking to the left or looking to the right? How are you doing with that? Have people asked me, you excited to preach this weekend? I'm like, not really. I don't really like this message. <laughs> but it's needed for all of us. Because these strongholds, they come up from within inside of us. And they take our minds captive rather than us putting our eyes and our mind on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He says in verse 5, He says, we destroy arguments of every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. My responsibility is to say, I've identified, I've defined it. I want to destroy it. I don't want to allow any stronghold in my life that's going to so easily beset me from my relationship with Christ or anyone else. And if we're not careful, it's easy to have it happen. Strongholds are real. And they're ripping apart our lives today. And sometimes, we don't even see it coming. And because we're not prepared for it, because we're not ready for it, seeing it rip families apart, rip friendships apart, just rip relationships apart. God says you've got to be ready for this. You've got to have your helmet of salvation on, your breastplate of righteousness, your belt of truth. You need to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, ready to take his word everywhere. You need to have your shield of faith. In verse number four, it's talking about that there's power in the weapons that God has given to us. And the Greek word is the word dunamis. Dunamis is the word that we get the word dynamite from in our English language. Dynamite is powerful. The word of God is powerful. It's when we take the word of God, the living and active word of God, and we combine it with with the power and the spirit of prayer in our life. You put those two things together and you light them with the fuse of faith. That's when we can destroy the strongholds that are in our life. Today, if you're here, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what your stronghold might be. It's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord. But whatever it is, would you turn it over to him and say, God, I trust you with it. I can't do it on my own. I've been trying for too long. Let's pray together today. Father, we are thankful for your word. Thankful for your love for us. (laughs) Thankful for Jesus the one who came and he gave his life so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we know that that Satan wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. But God, we can have life because of what you've done for us through your son Jesus on the cross. Father, we proclaim that today. God, I pray for those who may be here today that, man, there's something that maybe this hit them somewhere. I don't know. I know it's hit me. God, I pray that you would just encourage them. Lord, to have the courage to, to be able to destroy whatever stronghold is they have in their life. 
the first step really is like just admitting that there's something there, Father, and then from there moving forward and saying, I'm just going to live into to what you have for me. And I know that together we can do it. God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.